a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Steltenpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, how are you, my friend? Dude, I'm doing well. I'm I'm in that again in that in that kind of week where everything's going the way it was planned and it's going well, but it's just kind of draining. Just kind of a tired week. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. Uh, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Draining week. Yeah. Um. But yeah, man, I'm 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 stoked for this week. This is, I think this is going to be the best weekend of college football we've had yet in the in these six weeks that we've had so far. Yep. No, uh, this is going to be a good weekend. This past weekend there sort of felt like there might have been some games that didn't deliver, but then you got games that did deliver. The North Carolina-Boston uh, College game was was pretty good. Uh, the uh, Kentucky Ole Miss game ended up being uh, really good as well, and we'll get to recaps uh, here in just a little bit. But, yeah, we were, uh, uh, you know, we were given some good games that maybe we didn't necessarily expect, and uh, even though uh, the Texas A&M-Alabama game that was supposed to be really good, ended up a dud yeah so yeah let's go ahead and well i'll just make one note uh the pac-12 the the, the, just the pac-12 announced their schedule saturday they said originally it was gonna be saturday at 7 p.m and they ended up doing it like 8 or 9 a.m eastern time on saturday um but the pac-12 schedule released it looks really good the best game probably week one i noticed was arizona state at usc um i mean we we can we can break this down more next week um when we have probably more time to look at the schedule but i would just say that I am not of the mindset that the Pac-12 is already out of the playoff race. And I there's a world in which either USC undefeated, Oregon undefeated, or someone like that is able to make the playoff depending on how the games go. I'll just say that. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine, though, that they're going to have to have an undefeated USC or undefeated Oregon. Yes, and, that, that, we- and, yeah, that, and that's what I mean by that, yes. Yeah, so do we know where they rank uh, currently? Or I guess they haven't entered the top 25 yet, have they? Just the Big Ten has entered the top 25. Yeah, yeah. Which, which can, can we react to that for just a quick second, that the, uh, the AP top 25 has teams featured, like Ohio State's number six, and they haven't played a game, and it's just sort of weird to see them yeah. number six ahead of, like, two or three teams that are undefeated. Like, aren't they ahead of Miami right now? They are. And and so I'll, I'll just say this. I, I'm not dogmatic about this, but, it, it, like, I would not do that. I would not put teams who haven't played a game yet in the top, like, ahead of teams who have played, especially teams that have played almost, you know, played three games. I just, I wouldn't do that because I just, I think it, like, we're going heavily off assumption when in the first week everyone was ready to, you know, call Florida you know, 2019 LSU and right Georgia off completely. And, you know, we had Navy who apparently forgot completely how to tackle, you know what I'm saying? Like, and just, we have no idea what's going to happen with, with how ugly, you know, how ugly the first week was. We have no idea what some of those teams in the big 10 who are, who are in it Pac 12 too, who have been behind, who are going to be starting behind. And like, I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm not, my logic is I don't, I don't think we should, they should have done that. But also at the same time, like I get it. Like you, you're going to just give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt. No, yeah, that that certainly it certainly makes sense. I just I think we're on the same page that it it just doesn't just doesn't look right. Which 
it's going to continue to be an issue all throughout the season because you're going to continue to have more data for the ACC uh, and more data for the SEC over those Big Ten teams as, as you go throughout the season. So at some point, you're going to be trying to compare for the top four, uh, you know, an undefeated 5-0 and Ohio State and potentially an undefeated, you know, 5-0 and or uh, not 5-0, and but, you know, maybe 8-0 and Alabama. Yeah. And so that's that will be definitely problematic. But heck, I guess maybe it's just one of those fun things or one interesting things of college football for the upcoming year. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, like most seasons, it all seems to figure itself out. Yes. Yes. So very much so. So, yeah, um, let's uh, just really quickly to do like I want to throw out our picks really quick um, from last week. We both picked Florida. They won. We both picked DCU. They lost, unfortunately. Um, no. Wait, TCU Wait. won? Yeah, TCU won. Baylor is both of us picked Baylor, and they lost um, in a really good game, too, yeah, by the way. West Virginia. Yeah, bro. Um, and oh, double overtime. Um, we both, and in the, like, the weirdest interception ever, too. That was an incredible play. We both picked Bama. They won. We both picked UNC. They won. Um, wait, did they even play? Yeah, they played. Yeah, they played Boston College. And Boston yeah. College threw the ball 50 do, times. Dude, Boston College. We'll, 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 get, we'll get to Boston College in a minute. Um, we both picked UGA. Uh, they won. And then you picked Oklahoma, and I picked Iowa State. And I walked away with the victory there. Um, yeah. It was a good week for your boy here. Good, yes, good it was. It was a good week for... Uh, for Iowa State, as I think at the very beginning of the year, you started to sort of feel like, man, is Matt Campbell losing grip of that program? And I mm-hmm. think he really won some major points, steering that program back in the right direction and ultimately getting this win over um, a suspect Oklahoma team. But nonetheless, it's still a big win for uh, for Matt Campbell and, and Iowa State. So can I begin? Can I do the first overreaction? Absolutely. Gundy is finally going to get is finally going to do it, and <laughs> Oklahoma State is going to go undefeated and win, and and and, and win the Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and hold on, gonna, hold on. Let me gonna... let me add this to it. Let me add this to it. He's going to do so with something he's never had really before: <laughs> a good defense. A good defense. Yeah. What do you think? That'll be. Um, it's certainly interesting. Um, certainly interesting that this might be the year uh i think it makes a lot of sense with oh uh, you know this is lincoln riley's first time having to prepare a brand new freshman quarterback who hasn't played uh you know a, a lick of a lick of college football so he's having to prepare that guy and i don't know what's going on with alex grinch and the defensive side of the football that would be something I'd, I'd be more interested to look at because it feels like they were making progress last year and they've maybe fallen by the wayside a little bit this year. And fallen by the wayside might be the wrong phrase, but they definitely don't feel like they've improved uh, from I, last year. Yeah, I, I just I think it goes back to what, what I said last week. I mean, I just, I just think that Spencer Rattler, while talented, is just not – he is not the leader, at least right now, that, that they need in those kind of games. And also, like this, I can't remember the stat, but like this is the first time in 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 several years that Oklahoma is not ranked in the top twenty-five. And like Texas looks bad, you know. Um, like I, I just, I, I Dunn, you'll probably figure out a way to screw it up. But 
like I just I, I think I'm just buying that th- that this is a weird year, and Gundy may actually finally be able to put this together again with one of the best trios in college football. Which, by the way, his quarterback, starting quarterback, still hasn't been able to play yet, and with a like a decent defense. Well, yeah, I mean, Oklahoma, I mean, both Oklahoma and Texas have not shown that they're getting better. Texas, to me as a program, doesn't seem to be getting better. Uh, Sam Ellinger's fine; he's keeping them afloat but it doesn't seem like the rest of that team is improving. I don't feel as though they're, you know, that they, they've taken command of anything defensively. And, and that's sort of the same issue that Oklahoma has had about not taking command from a defensive side of things. Their offense has been so incredible that it's acted as an extra defender for them of forcing teams to sort of speed up and, and press when they get on offense and that's played into their hands. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is an opportunity because now Oklahoma – maybe isn't that offense anymore and it's going to strain their defense even that much more. And it feels like the same exact thing is happening for Texas. So yeah, it's an opening for, for Oklahoma state, but while it's an opening for Oklahoma state, it's also an opening for uh, Iowa state and TCU and uh, maybe even Baylor as well. Yeah. So what's your first ever reaction? Jimbo will be fired at the year's end. Even with the pandemic, they're firing Jimbo Fisher. I'm really stepping out on a limb on this one. I understand with the, with the virus and with all the money that he'd be owed. But just like we got done talking about with Oklahoma and Texas not improving, what's in? I mean, Bob, what what's improved on this on this Texas A&M team? At least as of right now, I'm, I'm very disappointed. They've they've gotten increasingly worse um, over the last three years. They've recruited at a high level. Um, look, it in a non-pandemic year. And the whole financial aspect not being so up in the air, I would 100% agree with you. Like, I I don't think you're being ridiculous. I I think just the conditions of 2020 is going to keep that from happening, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because he probably should be fired, man. They look awful. They really do. Because at this point, you're telling me you don't have someone better than Kellen Mond? Like, you haven't recruited well enough to have someone better than Kellen Mond, and, and Kellen Mond is just, like, not a good quarterback right now. Yeah, and, and, and certainly I heard somebody uh, talking recently about, you know, the the Alabama effect and, and be careful about how Alabama skews the uh, – can skew the data. A game against Alabama can skew the data for any team in terms of not necessarily telling you exactly who they are because Alabama, Ohio State – Clemson, they're going to come in and wreck everything, and they're going to make your stats look, you know, awful. So I guess you can wait on that. But I mean, Jimbo's on the verge of starting one and two with this loss. I mean, he could potentially lose this week to to Florida, and it could be bad again. Like his back's up against the wall. Yeah, uh, you don't really have that he, kind of room in the SEC it, to to overlook it, that kind of thing. If it wasn't for the Vandy game, I wouldn't be freaking out. Like I wouldn't be so down on on Texas A&M. But sure. no, yeah, the, yeah, the Texas uh, the Vanderbilt game is definitely a part of this uh, conversation for sure. Like I, I just yeah, I any other year, like any other year, he's probably gone by the end of the year because, like, what what job, like what win right now could save him that job? A mediocre LSU, a not a not great Auburn, you know, and this week he plays Florida. You know, like I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see the in a normal year what the saving game would be. Like, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, I'm my next overreaction. Um, 
Oh, oh, oh my gosh, I have uh, completely lost track of thought. Um, this is why I shouldn't have my phone near me whenever I'm recording with you, so I don't get distracted by people sending me text messages. Um, oh, you, you go with yours. Go your go with yours, and I, I'll eventually have my. Oh, here it is. Yes, Georgia has a far better offense this year than at any point in 2019. Yeah, and that just might end up being a factual statement. Um, that might end up just being a factual statement. That the I way back. Stetson Bennett can play, the mm-hmm. mobility of Stetson Bennett, I think we both agree on that, and I think it's been noted a couple of times uh, in different publications this week as well. The mobility of Stetson Bennett, while it might not be you know, uh, superior, it's enough to, to elude some rushes. He had two plays. The big one to Kiaris Jackson at the very beginning of the game that set up seven points. And then he had another one later on in the game rolling to his right, threw the ball out of the back of the end zone, and it saved three points. So just his mobility alone, ten points were were on the board for uh, for the Dogs. And that could be the difference in any game with this kind of defense. That could be a major difference uh, for the season. I, I went back and I just looked at last year's schedule for UGA. And I went through and, you know, I went through the started off with the Vandy game, barely won that game. I look, I went and looked at uh, the following week. In fact, I'm going to I'm just going to put up right here since I have it. We have Vanderbilt. We won 30 to six, but we did not score. We, didn't, we scored two touchdowns late in that game. Do you remember how ugly that game was? The Vanderbilt game? Yeah. You may not remember yeah. off the top of your head. Yeah, but, not off the top of my head, okay. but I, I, I do so, I do know that everything from last year outside of like one or two games against nobody was was very was you know, so, mediocre at best. So from drop so so we dropped sixty three like sixty three fifty five on Murray State and Arkansas State, not counting those two games. Uh Notre Dame, we got out with got out twenty three seventeen in just a slug fest of a fight. From threw for one eighty seven, Swift only ran for ninety eight, and it, it was not pretty. Then the Tennessee game. We we it looks really pretty with forty three to fourteen, but the game we were only up by a score or ten points going into the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter is when we just started like the the infamous corner blitz from from Stokes, you know, in the scoop and score for a touchdown that kind of just put the whole thing away. But still in that game, Brian Harrion had eighty eight yards rushing. Swift was the leading receiver with seventy two. Fromm did throw for two eighty eight. South Carolina game, the loss. We only scored twenty points. In that game, from threw the ball forty something times for two hundred ninety five yards. Kentucky in a monsoon, we won twenty one nothing. From threw for thirty five yards. Let me say that again. Jake from fifth round pick, thirty five yards. All thirty five yards was to George Pickens. Florida game, we won twenty four seventeen. Scored a late touchdown in the fourth quarter to seal the, to seal the game. It, I don't think the game was ever necessarily in question because of our defense, but we just couldn't could not seem to put together points uh, really that well. Missouri twenty seven nothing scored two touchdowns late in the fourth quarter when the game was out of reach. Auburn twenty one fourteen we got we got twenty one early but could not seem to score in the second half. Texas A and M nineteen thirteen scored points late in the third quarter. Um, oh, by the way, from through for one ten against. 110 against Auburn, 173 against Missouri, and 163 against Texas A&M. Uh, and 
Texas A&M scored a couple touchdowns late. Georgia Tech game, not going to count that. LSU game, we know what happened. Baylor, we still only scored 26 points in that game. When people, you know, people remember that game as like a beatdown, we only scored 26 points. My point is, there were times where we could not rely on Jake Fromm to throw to beat a team. And we knew, we knew last year, because of a certain stat, if you, like anytime Georgia threw, was it 20 passes or 30 passes? You, you, I like, remember was that 30. I think for, it was that 30 any, for his career. Anytime Fromm threw for over 30, threw over 30 times, he only won one game his entire collegiate career. That's absurd, first of all, as we know. But... For, but like Stetson, like I, I just I feel com- like we, so we never felt confident. I feel confident after just three quarters, and I'm not saying like I put on Twitter of how I feel. I I don't think I think with Stetson Bennett we have a ceiling. Uh, I think 11 and one is our ceiling without winning the SEC and not going to the playoff. But at the same time, with the play calling that I'm seeing, with the way that Stetson Bennett throws in the middle of the field and he can make plays like you were just talking about with the rollout and and the 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 dod two different times. Uh, dodging, um, blitzing linebackers, I think Stetson Bennett does something that Fromm could never do, and that was make make big plays through the air when we need it and make teams fear us throwing the ball. Yeah, there was, a, there was certainly not that element to last year's, to last year's team. Um, and you might get into that situation this year as people are going to load up the box and they're going to come after you. They're going to do, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, they're just going to push things a little bit differently. And obviously it's 2020. A mobile quarterback is important. He doesn't have to be, you know, Lamar Jackson, but he needs to be somebody who can get around and move. And that wasn't necessarily Fromm's biggest thing. He might could get out and run in a straight line. He got, and I think he had a few of those plays where he just took off right up the middle of the field. But I don't know if he's got the shiftiness and the quickness to make people miss consistently in the backfield Aaron Rodgers Drew Brees style yeah I mean I mean look we went 11 and one last year with a like it was like statistically one of the worst offenses Georgia's had since 2015 the year that Mark Rick lost his job and like I, I read you a stretch of when like Georgia only averaged like 20 something points a game like that and, and look I'm not saying oh you know Georgia beat Auburn you know 27 um they won this this past weekend, twenty seven. Oh my gosh, why, where is that score at? How have, do I not? Twenty seven to six. Twenty seven six. But here's the difference. And I told this to a buddy, and I don't want to see if you agree with me because I want to get to your your last point. I'm sorry, I, I belabored this. Um, last year, we should have been able to score points, but we did not have the ability. This year, we could, like against Auburn, we could have scored more points and chose not to. Yes, I agree with that. All right, go ahead. So I'm sort of bouncing between a few. I feel like there's something there for Ole Miss and uh, in Lane Kiffin. Uh, there's definitely something out of that South Carolina performance, their ground performance. But I think the most ridiculous thing to go with in terms of an overreaction, Bo Nix isn't the guy at Auburn. I don't mean to stay on that game because I know we just did a lot for that game or for you know the Georgia aspect, <clears throat> the Georgia aspect of that ball game. But while Bo Nix was good at sort of getting away from the rush from time to time, and maybe it's not Bo Nix, maybe it's Gus Malzahn, 
And I know that we've had that conversation. Um, you know, it, it comes up every single year. But maybe Bo Nix isn't the guy either. Because Chris, not Chris, but Kurt Herbstreet said it once or twice. He's got to get consistent. And maybe he's just never going to get consistent. We've said for Kellen Mond, he's got to get over some sort of we, we knew that there's a ceiling there that's much higher than where he's performing at, but maybe that we've overestimated that ceiling. And maybe for Bo Nix, we've overestimated that ceiling as well. Maybe it's not just the pieces around him. Maybe it's not just Gus Malzahn and, and, and his oddity. Maybe it's Bo Nix. Yeah. Um, also, I think there is something to um... – Gus Malzahn, like I, I, a friend of mine who's a huge Auburn fan, read it off to me today, and I just don't remember all of it. But he 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 read to me Gus Malzahn's record against the three biggest rivals that they have, and he has losing records against all of them. Who's the and, third? LSU. Yeah, he has a losing record. record against Alabama. Do you know? He's he's won. I think it was. I think it was like three and four. Something I was like about that. To say, that's that's got to be that the, his record against Alabama feels like it's the one reason he's still there. Yes, and I think you, too he's a likable guy. Um, well, I he hate loves him. Auburn. Yeah. Well, I I've heard from other Auburn fans as well that they that they think he's a he's a good guy and he's a likable guy and his obviously his tribute to Pat died the past two weekends probably means a lot to a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of the right people in the in you know in the front mm-hmm. offices and, and whatnot, but. There's just some – I mean, obviously, when it comes to on the field, he's got a national championship as the offensive coordinator. He wins the division from time to time. He's able to get wins over Alabama. That might be one of the reasons he's he's still there. Yeah. I No, 100% because he got his last um, – his last contract extension came in 2017 when he beat Georgia and then turned around and beat Bama in the Iron Bowl. And then, and then last year, obviously, beating Bama again. So, like – like, but yeah, I, I just I think ultimately Gus Malzahn is the problem. But like this game, the game against Georgia may be multi-layered. It, it may be Bo Nix, it may be Chad Morris, and it's probably. I, but it's definitely Gus Malzahn. Like, uh, who knows how good Auburn really is, and who knows how good Georgia really is. But the way Georgia just manhandled Auburn just was really surprising to me. Yeah, no, it, it was. It's almost like they gave was, up on him. Yeah, and I don't know what at what at what point that happened, but from the way the broadcast sounded, from the way I think there was a moment where the broadcast was mentioning that Bo Nix was they they put a field goal on the board, and Bo Nix was still on the sidelines talking about how pathetic or how whatever. So I think the frustration set in really quick that they weren't able to do some of the things that they wanted to do. I mean, they had a touchdown reception. Uh, they're in the end zone, and their best wide receiver came down, and it just and it popped right out. You know, one of the one of the great definitions of sort of the ball not bouncing your way. Um, he had it with one hand, and his elbow hit you know first right there in the yeah. corner front yeah. corner of the end zone, and that thing just shoots right up. The defensive back would have been paying attention, boy. It would have been nice for that thing to pop out of there and him just grab it and for you know an interception. But yeah, they 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 had a couple of bounces not go their way, and Georgia, you know really hit the nail on the head in capitalizing on those mistakes going against Auburn. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, okay. Where, where we go to now? Um, well, you would, would you like to go with, let's just go straight into, uh, you know, this week. Okay. And as yeah, we do, do this week, we'll, Ooh. uh, we'll sort of recap. We've already, I guess, touched week. a little, yep. yeah, we've already touched a little bit on the Georgia Auburn game. Um, um 
yeah, where do you want to start for this week? Okay, so let, let's just I'm just gonna go down the the time slots uh, because I think this week is just such a huge week of games. Um, Florida A and M, uh, Florida is coming off a they're coming off an impressive win against A and M, who's coming off a slaughter to to Alabama, but Florida is only a six and a half point favorite in this game. Yeah, I'm interested to know what that's about because well, their defense sucks. Like well. To, like to, to to the point of like, and when I why I say sucks is because of the talent they have and the coaching they have, or the coaching that people believe they have. They sh- <laughs> they shouldn't have the issues that they have on defense. Yeah, and I think to, they're to not tackling. Yeah, I feel like sucks might be um, an overstatement because they were able to get the stops that they needed to get. And when you go back through and you look at the box score, and I know the box score isn't everything, but it's a part of the conversation. You kind of look and you say, well, maybe they did better than it looked. And maybe that's the issue is it just doesn't look super impressive. But they end up getting stops. They end up doing just enough. And, um, you know, and, and they're able to come out. They get a couple of bounces their way for sure. The fact that the score could have been 38-31 right there at the end with 50-some-odd seconds left. Yeah, I mean, they, they got driven on right there at the end. And they had a couple of drives that South Carolina put together. South Carolina was moving the ball on the ground. But then when you go back and look at the box score, maybe it's, you know, the ground production wasn't as outstanding as maybe you thought it was. So, well, I don't know if they suck on defense, but I'm certainly not impressed, de- uh, you know, with their defense they, uh, at the, this point. Yeah, the, the defense is a problem to me because they can't tackle. Like, they're having problems sure. tackling the ball. And I'm sorry, like, you you and I talked to text, we're texting back and forth during this game. If If they had seven drops, South Carolina, South Carolina yep. had seven drops. I counted at least seven, yep. And we're, we're talking like – we're not talking about like little dinks here or there. We're talking about like third down conversions, big plays that hit receivers right in the hands, and they drop the ball. Mm-hmm. So that is one concern. One thing, the lack of tackling, you know, South Carolina, you know, not being able to take advantage of stuff. But also, like, Florida can't tackle. They well, struggle. Florida couldn't stop the run either. Yeah, they, they, they were – They struggle to tackle. And that like that to me is – that to me is a concern. Now, let, let me say the pause before we pick this game. Kyle Trask is incredibly efficient and consistent. Yep. Like that there is no around there is no way around that. He has grown into an efficient and and good passer. He's probably like they're, they're probably going to win. They're probably going to win 10 11 games. With, just with that. However, here's a stat that I, I like people want to praise and make look incredible, but like I have let me just share my logic with you Spencer and then I want to hear what you have to say. I think right now I want to make sure I have the number right. Um, of of Kyle Trask's ten touchdowns, Pitts has six of them. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a great stat for for Florida. Well, certainly from the standpoint of comparing them to LSU. Yeah, you know, like LSU had a lot more guys catching touchdown passes, and I think Tony. And Grimes could certainly be a little bit more productive if the ball was coming their way. You certainly feel like things are not, maybe they're not being forced, but they're definitely being targeted more towards Kyle Pitts right now because they know that that's the matchup that it is and that it's the matchup that they have. Um, But yeah, no, I agree. You know, I heard somebody say it earlier this week. What if Grimes or, you know, Kyle Pitts comes down with, you know what, or if he just gets injured altogether. You know, and, and there's all those ifs that exist for every team. 
Yeah, but I mean, look, if, if Pickens goes down, Georgia may be in trouble too because sure. he won't be he won't be taking the double coverage away from Kyrus Jackson. But sure. but I just I don't. I'm not, look. I'm not saying they're fake. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. I think their defense is a problem, but there's just something that I'm noticing that Pitts seems to be the end-all, be-all. It goes back to what you and I talked about, if you remember this, a couple years ago, where Texas had that one elite wide receiver that would be their go-to guy on big plays, on third downs, and he was he was the dude. But what happened? But like, what happened the following year when he was gone? Like they they crumbled, and so like I I don't. I don't want Florida to be one-dimensional, but I feel like at times they may rely on Pitts just a little bit too much. Also, let's just say this, while uh, Trask is efficient, they have yet to play a defense that is even decent. Yeah, and they're and they're not running the ball either. They're choosing not no. to. Trask, yes. Trask has like 70-some-odd pass attempts, and they've run it like 48 times, and that might even be too much, 48. Yeah. Uh, they've not ran the ball a ton. 18 carries. They didn't last year. Dam- Yep, 18 carries for Damian Pierce uh, so far. So, and, and last year it felt like they couldn't run the ball. This year it feels like they're choosing not to. The run game's been fine when they choose to go to it, but they're just not going to it. So yeah. I'm interested from that standpoint. Uh, and then, two, you know, we, we talk about Florida wasn't great against the run, either Ole Miss or South Carolina. Texas A&M is able to run the football. They don't have an yes. awful offensive line. They're able to run the football. They've been pretty good at that so far. I think they're averaging 159 on the ground, and Florida's given up 150 on the ground. So the numbers are something like that. So if Texas A&M is going to win this ball game, their backs are up against the wall. It's really hard to see Jimbo Fisher losing two massive games in a row. It's not impossible. Spencer, who are you picking? Are you? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm picking Florida. But okay. I'm just – if, if we're talking about avenues for Texas A&M to win, uh, Kellen Mond did come, you know, did help bring them back from a 14-point deficit against mm. against Alabama. And it was sort of like, oh, well, maybe maybe this is A&M's about to wake up. And then, you know, Alabama woke mm. up. So I, I don't know if they're going to be able to win. But maybe if, if they can find the right stuff that works, Alabama's probably going to make adjustments. Didn't feel like Florida was making a ton of adjustments to, to to the run being stopped on them. South Carolina might have stopped running it because they had to throw because they were behind like they were. So I'll be interested to see how Texas A&M approaches that. I'm definitely picking Florida. Put me down for Florida. But okay, Texas A&M has their back up against the wall. And if anybody's going to win something, you know, if anybody I, has to win something in week three, it's them. If this was... If this was a month ago and AM had the receivers they that you know if they would have the receivers that opted out, I probably would take I probably would take a risk here and take take Texas AM. Because I do feel like AM has the opportunity to take advantage of Florida's inability to run or inability to stop the run. And there is a world in which Mond goes off when we that we've seen him do from time to time. But it all comes like for me, it all comes back to Texas A&M's inability to play defense. And, like, I I just, like, Vegas making this game under a touchdown, to me, like, tells me that there's, there's a world in which they see this game being close and they see A&M possibly winning. But the problem I have is, like, I watched that Bama A&M game and there was, I had a legit, I, I was legitimately concerned with the page like 
and or I'm sorry, Mond and his receivers were just never felt like they were on the same page ever yeah. during that game. And so I'm going to move Florida, but like there's just I mean something just feels weird about this game. I don't know. I, like I could be overanalyzing, but I, I just something feels weird. I don't know. Um, the next game, Virginia Tech at North Carolina. Uh, for me, this is a this is the game that we get like we're going to find out that North Carolina is not as good as we hoped they would be, and Virginia Tech goes in and gets a win over North Carolina. Oh no! Give me North Carolina to win. But oh wow! I okay. Do, I do put North Carolina on a bit of a notice. Their game against Boston College, it felt like they had trouble putting that team away, mm-hmm. uh, and that that's concerning to me. Uh, I want. I say it's concerning. It's concerning from the standpoint that the expectation after last year being so good is to take the next step forward, knowing that they have the talent that they do. And that game last weekend against Boston College doesn't make you feel like they've taken that step forward because that was still a one-possession game against a team that maybe it shouldn't have been that way. Uh, Still a new Boston College group. They fought, and I love that for Boston College. But for North Carolina, I want to see them pull away from people. For Virginia, they nearly lost. You know, they had a a one-touchdown win against Duke, and they've had a ton of players miss time from, from COVID. And, and even coaches are missing time from COVID. I asked you earlier today about Hendon uh, Hooker, and it seems as though something COVID-related or something illness-related has been keeping him on the sidelines, uh, or at least a, a contract tracing has kept him on the sidelines. So he's not played these first two weeks, and they haven't gotten a great production out of the quarterback play who, who has been out there. And yeah. Justin Fuente has made comments I was reading today about how he feels – this backup quarterback gives them the same chance to win as Hayden Hooker does or Hendon Hooker does, but the quarterback that's been playing is at 44% pass completion. It just doesn't, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like it. I don't know. It's a very weird situation in terms of the comparisons between Hendon and the, and the, and the backup. Uh, Brimster, I think, is his name. So I feel suspect about Virginia and not having a lot of their pieces. But, you know, hey, Memphis made a game of it with, with SMU this past weekend, and they've been missing pieces and haven't played for a month. So we'll see. But definitely give me North Carolina. Um, I'm just not sure about Virginia Tech's personnel right now. It's It seems like Heaton Hooker is going to return this week. Yes. that that it, What I read was that he's a full go, and even that didn't seem <clears> to make complete sense to me in terms of, well, does that mean he's going to play? Is he starting? Or is he just, a, you know, like, like – uh, uh, JT Daniels is he okay? He's cleared to play. Is he starting? Well, yeah. we found out no. I mean, what's the what does that mean for Hendon Hooker? And it doesn't seem to be clear what's keeping him out. So I'm it's just going to bank on Sam Howell. And then that's probably that's probably the safe bet. Yeah. But I'm 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 taking I'm taking Virginia Tech here. I man, they they just had a running back run for over 200 yards. Um. Uh, yeah. I, I just I, I think I, North Carolina is not like even that game against Syracuse was incredibly ugly um, at times. Yeah, and, and they're only a five point favorite. I, I just I think there's a world in which Fuente and his recruiting is going to benefit from being ahead of the recruiting cycles, you know, against Mac Brown. And I think this could be it. And if Hooker is playing. I just think that, that I think that fixes a lot of my concern because no one no one's like really said what exactly was wrong with him, you know. Um, 
but yeah, I'm just look. It, it, there's going to be an upset somewhere this weekend. Um, some are less likely than others, but I think this may be the one of the most likely ones. All right, so, what's got next? All right, next is the Red River Shootout. I will never, I will never call it anything else. Don't you ever tell me to call it something different. It is the Red River Red River Shootout. And it's Spence. just a football game, and we're all responsible adults who aren't going to be influenced by the nickname of a rivalry football game. Yes. Also, freaking horns up, horns down. It's great. Quit trying, quit trying to cancel it. It's great. I want to yeah, see again, horns up. I want to see yeah, horns yeah. down. Again, back to the silliness of police over policing college football's traditions or whatever you want to call them. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's silly. Horns down all the way. I'm taking Texas. Ugh. I I, I don't trust Oklahoma. How how much <laughs> it's like. The lesser here, two evils, right? How much do you trust Texas? <laughs> I trust, I trust Ellinger. That's fair. I trust, I trust Ellinger. Now I don't trust Ellinger to win the Big Ten or Big Twelve, but I trust him to win this game. I Oklahoma's defense, like, like we've made fun of it in the years past, rightfully so. This legitimately may be the worst that I've seen it be. And Spencer Rattler, I just don't think he's mentally there yet. And this is the biggest game of the year for Oklahoma. Like, literally every season. This is the biggest game of the year for them. He can't lose this game, but I think he's going to. And I think both of these coaches are in prove-it mode. And, yes, Lincoln Riley is probably the best play caller in college football. I'm not doubting that at all. But he may have one of the worst defenses in college football. And he's going up against a quarterback who is who is mentally stable enough to lead his team back when they're down, who has been through the hell and high water at times. And yes, they lost last week, and I called it. I knew it was going to freaking happen because Gary Patterson, like he, the dude, does two things: he plays, he has, he he plays inconsistent quarterbacks, and he beats Texas. And and so if you if you you give me this game right now, which you are, I'm taking I'm taking Texas. Yeah, just from the quarterback perspective, you feel more comfortable with with Ellinger there to navigate the chaos than you do right now with Rattler navigating the chaos. If this game was being played later in the season and maybe there was some evidence of Rattler has maybe established himself and he's settled down the uh, you know, he's settled the ship a little bit, then then maybe that's a different conversation, but it seems like things are rattled right now and uh, and and I think, I think well, I'll take Texas as well. Okay, right on. Just just from that quarterback perspective, what's funny? I be- yeah, I feel better about him navigating the waters. Funny is that this is the first time in I don't know how many years that Oklahoma is the underdog, and yet they're the two two and a half point favorite. Like I mean, underdog by rankings, but they're still the two and a half point favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, big game of the weekend. Um. Maybe I don't think it's the biggest game of the weekend, but it's maybe number two or three. We have Georgia against Tennessee in Athens. Um, we may have a storm, maybe. Don't know. Uh, we this hurricane tropical storm that's going through Alabama and Louisiana. Man, I hope I pray that everything's okay with everybody that's affected by this. But they don't really know yet if it's going to come through or not. Um, but anyway, the number is twelve and a half. Spencer, I'll let you pick first. 
Yeah, so the I know the NFL, the Saints are being altered by this. When is it expected to be making landfall? Do you know? I know I'm asking you that off the off the, Bro, off I, the top of the dome, but I have no idea. I do know that there is consideration of moving the Bama game to um to Friday because it may be hitting Saturday. I guess I don't know. Okay, sorry, well, not if a, it's a ground game. No, 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 it's fine. If it's a ground game, which you expect it to be a ground game, then it's going to uh, the rain will will maybe play into that. This might be the best unit the unit uh matchup that we have for the weekend in terms of uh tennessee's offensive line against georgia's defensive line tennessee's been running the football really well these first two weeks and this will be the best offensive line i think that georgia has faced so far certainly one of the biggest that they faced so far they know what they're doing up front. They know what they want to do. They seem to be settling into who Jeremy Pruitt wants them to be. I'm, I want. I'm taking Georgia to win the ball game. Yeah. But it feels like Tennessee had a close game with us last year. That might be a chip on the shoulder for the dogs. But they had a close game with the dogs last year, and we'll see. Uh, you know how they play again this year, but. I mean, it, and this might come back down to the quarterbacks as well. Do you, you know, who do you like better, Stetson Bennett or, or you know, Jarrett Garantano? And judging by Jarrett Garantano's larger body of work, you'll probably take the flyer on uh, on Stetson Bennett at this moment. But then too, maybe you think you you go outside and you say, well, what's the matchups like on the outside? With the way Kiaris Jackson's playing, there's and you know, nine catches, ten catches, four hundred and forty something yards against Auburn. You feel good about his performances, maybe opening things back up for Pickens, because now you can't just double team Pickens, or now you can't just go after Pickens. And Bennett's done a good job of not just staring down Pickens. So, you know, on the outside, it feels like the edge is to Georgia, but something feels like Tennessee because they're more comfortable with who they are, knowing who they are. They may make this a game for a little mm. while, like they did last year. <sighs> I give me the dogs. Yeah. Um, I think I, I th there's a part of me that just thinks people are overanalyzing this. Um, Tennessee is on a, what, six or eight game winning streak. Uh, only two teams they've played have winning records that we, they've beaten. Um, they do have a good O-line. They, they probably have a really good O-line. They have decent yeah, running backs. Yeah, there's got to be something said about running, you know, playing well. Yes. Obviously, the wins aren't against great teams, and I certainly acknowledge that along with you. But something about playing well. It just I, what, what catches me off guard, or what what stands out to me is of those wins. I want to bring up last year's schedule just so I'm clear in, in saying this because I don't want to speak incorrectly. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, since, uh, since their winning streak, only three games were decided by more than one score. Yeah. And uh, uh, this game this weekend is one of them. Yeah, Missouri was one of them, and Missouri may not be a good team. You know, um, and they won 35-12, and they, they, they handled business, okay? But, man, I go back to that South Carolina game, and South Carolina is not a good football team. And I don't know about that. Is, I say it's not a good football team. Yeah, I, I think South Carolina's improving. Well, I, improving, and like, I, I think they're going to have a, winning, a losing record by the end of the year. 
like South Carolina. And, and so like, I, like I just saw them struggle against that. And if you, if you compare the two and look, you got to go from week one to week two, you're have your greatest increase of, of, uh, of getting better. I understand that. And getting Cade Mays against Missouri was probably a big deal. But at the same time against Missouri, you know, like, you would think that someone went off for, you know, like 200 yards. Gray had 105 yards. Garantano only threw for 190. And and for me, it, it goes down to what what does like what does Tennessee want to do? They want to run the ball. Well, Georgia is going to have the best defensive line that they've faced probably in the last eight games. Yes, and not only hard. and not only are they going to have the best defensive line, they're going to have the best linebacker core. They're going to have the best defensive backfield. They're going to have the best offensive line. They're going to have the best running backs. They're going to have the best wide receivers. The only thing that's in question is it the best quarterback they face in this eight-game run, and I don't think I don't think Setson Bennett has to be the best quarterback that they've played yet. I think it just comes down to this offense is humming. It's only three quarters, but it's humming. It's playing incredibly well. Tennessee needs to be able to run the ball to be successful. I don't think Georgia has to run the ball to be successful. I don't think they have to do anything to be successful because I think they have the the best defense in the country. And they're going to force Garantano to throw the ball, and I don't think he can. And I think if, if they made Bo Nix look as yeah. as suspect as they did last week, I'm telling you, man. Like I, I like this game. It's a 12 and a half point. Like I would take this game at 18 points. I would take Georgia at 18 points right now because I just I I just trust. I just trust Kirby. I think there's a chip on Kirby's shoulder as well and going into this game because Cade Mays and that whole situation called his called his culture toxic. And sure, bulletin board I, material. Bulletin board material, which by the way, Florida players, y'all need to shut up. <laughs> Brenton Cox says he can't wait to get the W against Georgia this year. That's <laughs> I just can't wait for that. Um, but but I just it, like there is like there is there's only like one scenario here. That in in my mind playing out that gives Tennessee the win, and that's if Tennessee runs for over two hundred, you know, two hundred two hundred fifty yards on Georgia, and I don't see that happening. So give me the dogs and give them to me big. Do you know when the last time somebody ran for over hundred yards against Georgia was? <sighs> no, but I hope you asked me that knowing. Uh, no, I don't. Oh, that's okay. I, I didn't know if maybe. That was something you knew. Something tells me Baylor might have done it in the bowl game, but other than that, you know, I'm, I, I don't know how many people did it at all last year. Obviously, the touchdown numbers are what they are, and uh, we still haven't given up a, a rushing touchdown uh, yet this season. We've only given up one touchdown so far this season. So. And they didn't give up one until Auburn last year. Right, right. Um, so, so, yeah, we yeah, both take the next game. Dog picks. Um, okay, next game is uh, Texas Tech at Iowa State. I took Texas Tech last week. I'm learning from a mistake. Give me Iowa State. Matt Campbell going on a run to play Oklahoma State in the Big Ten, the Big Twelve Championship. Man, is this a spot for a letdown though? Iowa State, Texas Tech. I mean, Texas Tech was. I mean, they. I don't know. They played well against Texas, but they also played awful against Texas. It's the weirdest high-scoring affair. You would think, oh man, two clicking offenses, and no, that wasn't really the case. Give me Iowa State because I don't. They certainly won't. I don't think they'll be making the mistakes to allow Texas Tech to stay in the game. Yeah, I do like Bowman, the quarterback there at uh, Texas Tech. Though. I do too. Um, okay, do you even want to pick the Arkansas Auburn game? Because there, there's watch a part that of ball game. 
You know what? If we're gonna watch it, watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's pick it. All right. I'm I'm going upset. I'm going Arkansas. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with Auburn here. I, 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 I'm gonna stick with Auburn. Okay. I'm gonna trust, even though I, I, you know, my overreaction was, you know, about Bo. You know, it's a little more tongue in cheek those overreactions. Um, I'm gonna trust Gus Malzahn. I'm gonna trust Bo. I'll trust them to continue to figure things out. You know, hmm, that game's I'll, at Auburn. I'll, I'll, I'll trust. I'll trust the, the toilet paper tigers. Yeah, that game's at Auburn. Never mind. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Auburn, but. I just I'm I'm calling it Arkansas like Auburn's on upset alert again. Arkansas um, and Ole Miss are playing inspiring football right now for sure, and yeah. so it's sort of easy to want to try to pick them. So do you, I mean, we're, we would both pick Alabama if we were picking that game, but boy, don't you know, all eyes are going to be on Ole Miss starting this ball game to see if they pull something. You know, Lane's going to be standing on the on that sideline smirking across the way. He, I wouldn't be surprised if you had a drone above the thing and you're watching every time Nick Saban moves in one direction up and down the field that Lane doesn't move in the exact same you know, fashion. Like He just mirrors him the whole time, sort of like a mind game across the field or something you know, silly like that. Just to, just to try to – I don't know. It just feels like this game could get interesting if, if the Rebels are, are clicking and they're, they're inspired. Just like Arkansas, they are inspired. Matt Corral, after the ball game, the win against Kentucky, we know what we're doing. We know what we got to do. We're going to execute. We know it. You know, it was all this very confident-sounding stuff, and I'm, I'm very much interested to put eyes on that ball game this weekend too. We don't have to pick it. I just no, I'm interested I, to watch it. Yeah, I, I'll just I'll just say this about that game. It it just it. It seems like one of those games where Ole Miss is going to put up 30, but Bama is going to put up like 55. Right. And cover the spread. Well, that wasn't um, that what it was last year? Bama, something, uh, something. Ole Miss had 31? Also, keep an eye on Matt Corral, man. Like Matt Corral is a dude. He's dealing right now. Um, all right, last game of the week. Most important game, probably. In, in fact, I think it is the most important game of the week because I think, I think it's – all right. Miami at Clemson. Mm. 7:30 ABC. I'm gonna like my sweet sweet mistress is coming over late Saturday night. Uh oh. And we're gonna stay up late. Socks are coming off. Socks are coming off. Barry Manilow. <laughs> it's gonna be a playlist of Barry Manilow, Backstreet Boys, and Secondhand Serenade. Well, of course, it would be Backstreet Boys. Also, a little a little art. No, not Art Kelly. He's a piece of crap. Let's go Usher. Yeah, Let's go Usher. Okay. Let's go Usher. Usher. Okay. Spencer, I'm going. I'm going for it. I think Derrick King and the offense that Lashley has brought to University of Miami is the offense that they should have been running for ten years. I've said that twice now. I think Clemson has has not been truly tested by a team with speed and the the mindset to beat them in in, a, in since the Syracuse upset. Which again, we look back on the Syracuse upset. Like we need to look back on that correctly. And what I mean by that is, like a quarter, their starting quarterback Kelly Bryant went out. You know, went went out, and Chase Bryce had to come in, uh, who is now playing at Boston College, right? No, Duke. He's playing at Duke now. Yeah, Duke. I, I think Clemson's great, but we have seen over the years there are big games at times where Clemson just kind of doesn't doesn't show up, or they just kind of lose interest. 
And I just they Miami has had two weeks now to prepare for this game. And I just, man, I, I just think Derek King is a dude. And I think they have dudes on the outside. I think they have dudes on the D line and the linebacker core. Their DBs probably could be a little bit better. But I man, I'm, I just, I think this may be, like, I don't want to hear, oh, the U is back. I'm, I'm just picking Miami to win this game because I think they can. And I've not been, I've not been able to say in a regular season in a long time that there's a team that can beat Clemson. And I think Miami can. Give me the Canes. Yeah, so the issue is always going to be for anybody playing Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and maybe there's one or two other teams. The issue is always going to be about uh, depth. Does Miami have the depth uh, to do what they've got to do uh, in this ballgame? Do they have the guys that they can rotate in and out? Uh, along the defensive line and along maybe the linebacking group? Uh, do they have the resources to sort of go, uh, go you know, match depth? And I'm not sure, I'm not sure they're there yet. You know, we've talked about chips on shoulders. Trevor Lawrence is, I mean, he, he did not play well in the championship game against LSU. No. Uh, and again, that's LSU, so maybe that's a skewed data, but him specifically did not play well. I think he turned 21 years old this week, too. I, I mean, the kid's feeling good. You know? Also, I, I think, I think, I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to believe this at the time when it was said last year, but the more and more I've looked at it, I think it's true. I think Trevor Lawrence sometimes has a tendency to just throw the ball up, and he's got elite dudes who are able to come down with the ball. And I don't know if he has the elite dudes this year to be able to do that in a big game. And again, look, it's maybe when you for say elite dudes, you mean from a proven standpoint? I mean, yes. Still yes. Good, yes. 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 I'm, I'm talking about like first round draft picks, or yeah. that's that's what I mean by that. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll just just be clear. Um, Travis Etienne and Amari Rogers though are really good. They are. You know, Trevor Etienne. Trevor Etienne is just like. Like he just, like I'm. I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen, like backs a back like him who can average twelve to fifteen carries a game, but also average you know, one hundred and sixty yards a game. That um, reminds me. That was going to be one of my overreactions that I meant to jot down. And just talking about it jogs my memory that I was going to have something like Travis Etienne is going to be the number one overall draft choice, even as a running back. Like how how incredible he is when he gets the ball in his hands. So it's going to be up to Miami's defensive line to be aggressive rushing the passer, but also watch out for those little slip screens that they're going to do with him from time to time to sort of negate the pass rush. Uh, they did it this weekend against uh, a feisty Virginia team. I really liked the way that that Virginia team fought them in Boston college fought in a really, you know, inspiring way. Um, but ultimately, you know, Clemson just has, you know, way too much. So, give me, give me the Tigers. I, I mean, and I and I'm like you though. If if there's a team on the schedule that can beat them, Miami's definitely one of them. Because Derek King, like you said, is he's he's a difference maker. Miami has not had a quarterback like Derek King in a long time. Even before Brad Kaya, they they've not had Brad Kaya was not this. Um, it's a lot of guys that you know they just haven't had a guy like this before. 
Yeah, I I just I look they may they may very well lose or or mine very well may lose, but I, I just there's a part of me that just thinks like twelve fourteen points is just a little disrespectful. Sure. No, and, yeah, I'm definitely surprised by the line. And it hasn't moved either. Yeah, I think the I think I saw it go from fifteen to fourteen and that's it. Yeah, it's not moved much it's not moved at all. Just yeah, give me give me Miami, bro. Like I and that, that may be my gamble of the weekend, but yeah, yeah. I mm, something just tells me that this is not this is not the Miami of of three years ago, where it was a fake, where they were a fake ten and two. I just don't I don't see that this time. Yeah, nothing fake about drinking. No, dude. This I right. yeah. Um, does Jordan Travis and Florida State have a chance against Notre Dame? No. Notre Dame is possibly the four, fourth or fifth best team in the country. So, so crushing. It's going to be another bad one for, for Florida State this weekend. Yes. Who uh, – big bounce back game, Mississippi State and Kentucky. Both of these uh, – Kentucky's super back up against the wall. Man, I, like, I, may be, I may be off my rocker, but I think Mississippi State is legit good team. And Kentucky yeah, last may, and, week's kind of seemed like that might be uncharacteristic. Yeah, Kentucky Kentucky may honestly be like the best three and seventeen we've ever seen. <laughs> or yeah. three and seventeen, yeah. But I, I I trust I trust Mike Leach. I just do. He's done this too many times. Yeah, and he know I think he knows what to do when the system doesn't work. Or when, you know, things didn't go right. Which KJ Costello just didn't play well and then, you know, Kellen Mon or And Hill got Mon, hurt. He'll yeah, get hurt in the first I mean. quarter. Yep, that's where I was going. I don't know how I got to Kellen Mond out of uh, Kylan Hill, but yeah. Yeah, him going down was, uh, I think, is always going to be a big deal. And then just Costello played, I think, what we'll, we'll look back on it and we'll say that it was uncharacteristically bad how he played in that game. Yeah. Boston I, College in Pittsburgh this weekend, too. Yeah, I agree with you. I, that could yeah. be a really good game. Four yeah. o'clock. This is gonna be oh my gosh! This weekend's gonna be so good, and I'm I'm blessed with having some people in my life who will take Elijah off off my uh, off my hands for a couple hours next week, um, or on, on Saturday. So I get to like from three thirty on. I don't have to. I like my son's gonna be taken care of, so I get to watch the games and not have to worry about anything. Very good. Yeah. Very good. All right, anything else from uh, for, for, for this weekend or anything from last weekend that maybe uh, we didn't touch on? What was last weekend? The third? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tulsa is now the, what, 2017 national champions? <laughs> They're beating UCF this weekend, 34-26. Is that correct? Yeah, and they handled them pretty well, man. It's a couple of 2017 national champions now. Mm-hmm. And Tulsa's one of them, so congratulations to, uh, to those guys. Um. NC believe? State got Pittsburgh. How about yeah. that? NC State had yeah. no momentum going into the season. Nobody was supporting them. Everybody thought Dave Doran was done. He gets a win over a ranked team. How how are you feeling about how are you feeling about LSU? You know, I think after last week, we might have said it like, uh, on our podcast about you know, everybody calm down. Things are going to settle a little bit more back towards the middle. And and I think LSU did that a little bit this weekend. 
you look at how Texas A&M played Vanderbilt, and you kind of thought, well, maybe Vanderbilt, you know, you made excuses, or, you know, excuses could get made for Texas A&M with that. Well, maybe Vanderbilt. They got a good defensive line, and maybe Vanderbilt. No. They just got hosed by, you know, a, a, an LSU team that's have got a lot that they're still trying to figure out. So, absolutely hosed. So, I feel good about LSU sort of settling back towards the middle a little bit. They have they have good players on that roster, which is what everybody was saying going into the season, thinking, well, maybe they can repeat. Well, we saw that it's probably not going to be a repeat, but they're still a really good team. Yeah. And um, I feel okay about LSU. I don't know, though. You know, judging by the way A&M and, and Auburn have been playing, LSU could definitely finish second in, in the in the conference. Uh, yes, in they the, could. In the division. Yes, they could. Um, okay, let me ask you this, and then we'll get out of here. If I told you one of the top five teams in the country lose this weekend, who would you who would you think that is? Mm. Ooh, top five team losing this weekend. Uh, Clemson would be sort of at the top of the radar, I think, mm-hmm. because they are playing up against a really good team. You know, and I again, I kind of keep coming back to the fact that Alabama better watch out. Ole Miss has gotten them before. That was a long time ago. Different coaching staff, different players. I get it. But, you know, sometimes magic happens. A new coach, new quarterback, um, you know, Kevin Sumlin and and Johnny Manziel were able to do it. Was it Chad Kelly and Hugh Freeze were able to do it? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Matt Corral and and, and Lane Kiffin now that are going to be able to do it. Uh, Albeit in a much, much larger upset fashion. Ole Miss, this Ole Miss team doesn't have near as much momentum as maybe those other two teams did. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw – no, let me rephrase that. I would definitely be surprised. But it's one of those games that I've got circled to say, you know what, that might that might happen. That might be a limb worth out uh, worth going out on. And, and which one is that? Is that Bama? Or is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, Ole Miss-Bama. Okay. And then uh, Clemson – Clemson Miami would be at the top of the list because Miami is that I think Miami's could be that good. And then Alabama Ole Miss maybe a little further down. What would be the biggest bigger shock? Ole Miss Bama, Ole Miss over Bama or Florida State over Notre Dame? Florida State, right? Cuz like Well, we're, we're I mean if you if you if, 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 if you ask the if you ask the average football fan who doesn't really care for Notre Dame They'll probably say the Bama loss. Actually, no, no, I would say the Bama loss because Bama may be the best team in the country, and I'm going to go ahead and say this now: like Bama beats Georgia by double digits. Mm. Um. So, so yeah, I, I would probably say Bama losing to to Ole Miss would be the bigger shock to me. Um, for me, it goes Clemson one, Florida two. Yeah. No. Yeah. Then Bama. Yeah, yeah, the, the top five teams all have pretty interesting matchups this weekend. You're right. They do. They do. But yeah, that's all I got for you. All right. Perfect. Well, uh, be sure to like rate review and subscribe. Uh, all of that is certainly beneficial to, uh, to the podcast and maybe more people getting an opportunity to, uh, to hear what we, what we bring to the table. Uh, we appreciate you listening, uh, to a rich tradition, college football podcast, two friends, one love, and that is college football. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stoltenpole. We'll catch you on the flip-flop. Later.